Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from California, we have Chelsea Parham on the phone. Chelsea, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. We're talking about a lot of things we're going to talk about, but you have a unique nonprofit charity organization that I was immediately captivated by. And it's something that we didn't have when I was a kid. I know you're a lot younger than me. You probably had them, but when I was a kid, these things weren't even thought of yet. It's called Operation Juice Box. Tell us what Operation Juice Box is all about, why, and what you do. So Operation Juice Box is an organization that I started in 2016. Um, throughout the country, there were a lot of officers who were killed nationwide. It was a total of 64, I believe, that were killed that year. Um, and there was also a lot of officer-involved shootings that year that involved the public. But much, many, many more deputies and police officers were killed. And in that year, there was some violent protests happening across the country, um, not peaceful protests like when Dr. King was protesting in the streets. This was violent. Yeah, and, and, and um, I would I, say that the difference between a protest, which I fully support people's right to, because I'm a firm believer, like most police, most law enforcement, and, and the Constitution and the amendments, protest is one thing. Riots and violence are something totally different. A hundred percent different. Yeah, totally and, and, different. and all too often the news media has been saying, oh, they're protesters. No, when you are no. setting fire, you're breaking things, you're attacking people, that's called being a rioter. That's not a protester. Right. It's true. And I was at work, I, I work for in law enforcement, I'm a dispatcher for the last 12 years, and I was at work watching this unfold on the television, and it seemed like it was happening all summer long. And as I was watching these events on on television, I was seeing all these parents that had small children. I mean, little, some of them had babies with them out there in the streets when all this violence was happening. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, some of these kids could grow up to be law enforcement. They could be deputies. They could be 
uh, police officers. They could be U.S. Marshals. They could be in the FBI. You know, who who knows who these little kids could be when they grow up? And what if these actions with them out there are going to ruin that? Um, because they're not going to like law enforcement. They're not going to like the police. So, so what can we do to try to stop that and try to put a positive spin on who we are, who our guys and, and ladies are out there that are, you know, pushing the patrol units every day? And something that was, I needed something simple, something that was quick and effective. And I, I thought about it for a while. And uh, and another thing I thought about was, you know, we can all sit around and talk about change needing mm-hmm. to happen. But unless somebody actually steps up to the plate, nothing is going to change. So who am I to sit around and complain about it unless I'm going to do something? Right. So I prayed really hard about it um, and just had the idea that a juice box, just a small, simple juice box, could be a factor in the way these kids look at law enforcement. And so I thought if I give these juice boxes to deputies and police officers who are willing to be a part of this, who want to do it from the heart and make a difference in a kid's life, they'll just carry them around in their unit. And if they see a kid out playing basketball or roller skating or whatever they're doing out and about, you know, while the, the deputies and police officers are out on patrol, they'll just hand the juice box over to a kid. Hey, how's it going? How's school? How's your family? It's Talk a great icebreaker. It's a great way to initiate a conversation yeah. with, with the youngsters. And I'll be honest with you, my career in the Baltimore Police Department, when we weren't busy, especially in spring and summer when the kids are out in the daytime, getting to interact with them and talk with them is one of the highlights of my career. It was one of the best things I ever got to do. Didn't get to do anywhere near enough of it. Right. I know that community policing is important, and I think it does it does make a difference, you know? So I, ha- I started with a couple of... I started locally in my own neighborhood because I thought that that's the best place to start. I better support the guys that are watching my streets, that are watching my neighborhood, and put it out to a couple of neighbors and said, this is my idea. What do you guys think? And I had some neighbors that were like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. And then I had a couple who were like, yeah, let's buy some juice boxes, you know, 10 for a dollar. Big deal. Not a, not an issue. And so uh, Deputy Thomas and Deputy Dixon were on board with me right away. And so we went from this local little grassroots neighborhood juice box program to now I'm um, a registered nonprofit, 501c3, and we've given out over 7,000 juice boxes in Riverside, Orange, and San Bernardino counties. And we have a couple other states that we're trying to get get into right now and you know start our organization. It's such there. a it's great idea stuff. because you can you can fit a box of the juice boxes in, in, in the trunk of your patrol car, and it's they're yeah. not it's not a lot of money. It doesn't take up a lot of space, and it's a, a great way, like I said, to be an icebreaker to have a conversation with a youngster. I I think it's a plus and a positive. The only negative I would say is, uh, what do we got to do to get this nationwide? Well, we're going that way. We are going that way for sure. I'm working on Idaho right now. I had um, some people reach out from Youngstown, Ohio that are super excited about it. I had a woman down in Arkansas um, and Alabama. Um, One of the ladies was going to talk to her local chief of police about it. And, you know, it's just it doesn't cost anyone anything. Any agency that wants to be a part of us that has officers who want to do it is more than welcome to reach out to me and I will send them juice boxes all day long. That's a Um, great, great idea. Where can people get more information about Operation Juice Box? So you guys can check us out at www.operationjuicebox.com. 
We're on Facebook, Operation Juice Box, Instagram, and Twitter, all Operation Juice Box. So that's where you'll find us on social media. I just got off your social media page, your Facebook page, and happened to come across uh, a video you did talking about why you started this. And it, it mirrors the conversation we're right, having right now, which I think is just phenomenal because it's so much easier to complain and so many people do that, and of course they go to social media and they'll, they'll type their opinions and everything else, but far fewer of them will actually do something constructive. So my hat's off to you for doing that. Thank you, I appreciate that. You know, it was just a very small thing, and I, I will tell you that I think I've only had two negative things that people have said about it. For the most part, everyone's on board with it. Everyone thinks it's a great idea. People are pick up, you know, picking up juice boxes for me when they go to the store or they just PayPal me, you know, five bucks or whatever during the week. I like that the deputies that I do have working with me, the police officers that I do have working with me have reached out to me or I've reached out to them but they've been positive about it. I think I've only had two that were like, no, I'd rather drink the juice box. <laughs> but you know what? At least they were honest with me because I really don't, don't want them out there if they don't want to do it from the heart. So I, I that's fine. It's not I the type of program that. you want to force anybody. In. And our, our law enforcement no. people have a lot on their plates already. And, and so, you know, I can see the point of view. I can see the, the those who want to get involved. I can see those who are a little bit leery uh, so I think you are on the right track about agencies that want to do this, number one, and then officers inside those agencies that want to do that. They, they should not be compelled to do this because uh, that just, it makes it more aggravation and uh, less productive. So uh, if, an, if a law enforcement agency, let's say New York or Miami or West Palm Beach, m- my neighborhood says, hey, we want to do this, or Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, do they contact you? Yes, directly. So you guys could email me at operationjuicebox at gmail.com or you can reach out on one of the social media platforms and we'll get back with you as soon as possible. That's so a great those idea. Are definite, definite ways to reach out to me. We are talking with Chelsea Parham from Operation Juice Box about their program for law enforcement officers and the community. Uh, get more details at operationjuicebox.com or check them out on Facebook. Search for Operation Juice Box. When we come back to the Law Enforcement Today show, we're going to talk about her experience in law enforcement. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. 
Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Left Chest Society t-shirts from honor-line.com. These unique tombstone-themed t-shirts are designed by a career law enforcement officer, art by one of the nation's top artists. Check them out online at honor-line.com. Get one or get all three. Use promo code LET at checkout at honor-line.com and get 10% off. Go to honor-line.com and use promo code LET at checkout to save 10%. That's Left Chest Society t-shirts only at honor-line.com. Use promo code LET to save 10%. That's promo code LET at honor-line.com. Back to our conversation with Chelsea Parham from Operation Juice Box. And we'll talk more about Operation Juice Box a little bit later on. You mentioned earlier in the interview that after watching these riots and uh, all the upheaval and kids being at riots, being dragged by their family members, uh, these are riots and protests involving police-involved shootings and things of that nature, you decided to form Operation Juice Box. But you stated that when you saw these news reports, you were at work. You were a police dispatcher or a 911 dispatcher. Is that correct? Yes, I work for the Sheriff's Department, the Sheriff's Department here in California. How long have you been doing that? I've been in law enforcement 12 years myself, but I've grown up in law enforcement. So my dad retired as a a sergeant from the sheriff's department. My grandfather was a chief of police, my brother, my husband, uncles, all back in uh, Philadelphia. So it's definitely in my blood. So you're an East Coast girl. I actually born and raised here in California, but my grandfather's from Philadelphia. Gotcha, gotcha. So law enforcement has been part of your family. It's part of your DNA. You've been involved in this since before you could even really talk. Correct. And that's really one of the things that people don't seem to comprehend and understand is that, that law enforcement careers is not just the law enforcement officer, it's the entire family that's involved. It really is. I mean, every every aspect of us, basically, I, all of us are involved some, in some degree. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you could tell lots of stories about growing up and and having loved ones uh, not being available during holidays and things of that nature uh, due to their their law enforcement career. It's true. And, you know, to me, that's just my life that I've lived my whole entire life. You know, my dad maybe worked on Christmas or on Thanksgiving, maybe was gone on birthdays. We always celebrated things differently. And now that's how my children are being raised because, you know, I'm in law enforcement and... I'm working on holidays, certain holidays, and that's just the lifestyle that we all live. Long hours, um, serving the public, helping people. You know, we're, we're all a lot of helpers. 
and we enjoy doing it. That's mm-hmm. what we want to do. We want to be out there serving the public. And it really is a vocation. I believe it's a calling of, of sorts uh, and that most people, there are a few that get into it for pay and benefits, but the vast majority, they don't tend to last. And the vast majority they do and they stick it out. They're good people and they do it because they really, really have a calling to serve their communities. I, I think that's true. I do not think that it's for everyone. It is very difficult, at least for my job, you know, listening to somebody that's screaming on the phone and they just found their child had committed suicide or um, you get a phone call and people are screaming because somebody's shooting or somebody was just stabbed and you're listening to all this chaos and craziness and people don't really understand what we do in our day to day. I mean, we'll take a call where, you know, somebody is going to kill themselves and they're telling you that they're going to kill yourself and maybe they possibly do it on the phone. And then you hang up, take a breather, and then you go right back into work. And maybe the next call you handle is somebody that's upset because a dog's barking in the neighborhood, not knowing what you just handled right before that. You know, and I got to be honest with you, in my career in law enforcement, I never took the time to really comprehend and understand what our dispatchers went through. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I don't think I really fully appreciated it until the last couple months. Really? And why do you think that is? You know, it's because... I, you know, I, I think part of it's just being self-centered and that mm-hmm. I'm so preoccupied with what we've got going on uh, where we were uh, in Baltimore. Right. And, you know, the, the dispatches were very much appreciated because they saved our rear ends many, many times. And they, they could mm-hmm. tell that once they got to know you by the change of the tone of your voice, whether to send people, uh, send backup, they, they were really, really good at what they did. Uh, but sometimes it was almost a us against them mentality. It's like, dude, if you give me one more, you know, bad check call, I'm gonna call down there and strangle you. You know, that was what right. wound up happening. Is like, I'm aware of my workload, but not aware of what the dispatcher's workload is. Right, it's true. And you know, sometimes on our side, we're managing dispatching forty to fifty to sixty units at a time right. on a screen. Yeah. Or at least with the sheriff's department, we have multiple cities that we're monitoring, you know, all at the same time. And we have to be available to everyone who keys up at that moment. And sometimes I think that they forget that we are watching everyone at the same time and we are there to help everyone. But we're good multitaskers and that's what makes us good at our job. We're able to do that and keep track of everyone and make sure everyone's safe. And we do learn your inflection, you know, the inflections in your voice very quickly and can tell very, very fast when something is not right, just by a subtle change in people's voices. Right. And I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah. I, it, it's very interesting to me how that happened. And the funny thing yeah. was, and we'll get back to serious in a moment, but the funny thing was, you know, you, we'd have a conversation with the dispatcher every day, shortly change shifts just like we did, but we'd get to know the same crew, the same dispatchers all the time, and you wouldn't know them if you, if you tripped over them in public. Uh, and it's the vice versa. And when they finally get to meet you, it's like, oh my goodness, you're nothing like what I thought you looked like. Isn't that funny how that happens? It is. That does happen a lot. That does happen a lot. You do totally have a different image and perception of what a person looks like on the other side. And then when you meet them, it is different sometimes. Yeah. I'm always happy to meet them and, you know, face to face. Working for a sheriff's department, you know, for the entire county, it's kind of difficult to meet everyone because we have thousands of deputies that, um, you know, are in our agency, but they do, they do kind of all know our voices. Right. 
we just don't know each other face to face. Well, I'll tell you a I'm funny story. Well, when, when we were, used to work midnight shift, and they'd say, if you have to go downtown to get reports or whatever, call the dispatchers and see if they need anything. And so I did. I was a rookie on about six, eight months, something like that. And they said, yeah, bring some coffees, blah, 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 blah. So I get down there, and you get buzzed into where they're located. And I walk up to where the cubicles of the dispatchers are for our area. And they're like, mm-hmm. can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm 635 unit. And the dispatcher looked at me and immediately went slack-jawed. And I was like, what's the problem? They went, well, you don't look anything like we thought you looked. I'm like, what do you mean? They said, well, you sound just like Barry White, but you're very white. And from that day on, they would call me very. They'd say, hey, 635, I got 35. They go, hey, very, how are you today? And it, they, it was for years. So we developed a bond in a relationship, even though you didn't see that person. It's true. I think that is true. You definitely, you know, think of them as your your deputies or your dispatchers. I always, when I talk to people on the phone, I'll always say, you know, my deputy is there. Or if I'm calling another agency, my deputy. And I kind of take possession of, of them. Um, you know, like I'm watching out for them. Little mother hen over there, making sure they're all safe. And I think that's another thing is that sometimes these people on patrol get irritated with us when we're asking them to repeat or trying to yeah. clarify information or checking their status. And in truth, you know, we're not your mom or not your girlfriend or not your wife, Yeah, no. you know, or husband or whoever, because there are no dispatchers. We just want to make sure you go home safely. We're not trying to irritate you. Yeah. So and you don't necessarily have to like each other either all the time of what, one of the things that we're going to talk about after we come back for break, we're getting a little short on time here, is that one of the things I also was not aware of is, and uh, we know that PTSD with our first responders is a huge issue in the United States. Uh, estimates are conservatively that about 30% of our first responders are walking around with PTSD. And that's not including you know, our retirees, and that's something that affects the entire family. And until recently, via our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today's Facebook page, and some articles written by dispatchers, I was totally unaware that they suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder as well. True, we do. There's a, you know, there are quite a few people that I know that do have some instances that it's hard to shake. It's hard to shake after you listen to some of these calls. It is, and you guys are on the end, and there's a great article we posted many times, and it says that uh, dispatchers are, are emotionally involved in every call they dispatch, even the mundane ones, but when you have the really bad ones going on, they're, they're in it from the very beginning. Actually, before the, the officers get the call, they're in it. That is true, and, and I think that will take us to another topic about considering dispatchers first responders. Absolutely. On that note, let's take a short break. We are talking with Chelsea Parham, uh, police dispatcher, also founder of Operation Juicebox. Get more details about them at operationjuicebox.com or do a search on Facebook for Operation Juicebox. Listen, Law Enforcement Today, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. My name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called... The IRS. 
and they are able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. challenge your authority because that's what kids do but this car is your territory and in here your word is law so when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up you won't budge an inch until you hear that click never give up until they buckle up a message from the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council for more information visit safercar.gov slash kids buckle up The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly, we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Chelsea Parham. Chelsea is in California, uh, founder of Operation Juice Box, which we will talk about again in a few moments, and also a veteran of police dispatching in the West Coast area. And I want to thank you for your service. Thank you very much. I appreciate your service in Baltimore. And that's something that you know I've got to get better at doing. I keep telling myself that, you know, I need to thank other first responders for what they do. And you brought up a point right from the break. Should dispatchers be considered first responders? And your answer to that is? Yes, I think so. I think that a lot of times, actually, it's pretty interesting that we're considered clerical. I know that there are a lot of agencies where uh, dispatchers are entering teletypes or they're doing records. In smaller agencies, that happens. Larger agencies, not so much. But at the same time, I don't think that we should be considered clerical. We're answering life and death emergencies, and we need to be available 24 hours a day. A lot of times we're hearing things that the the deputies or the police officers won't hear. Our adrenaline is going right along with everyone else, except we don't get to get up off of the phone. You know, we don't get to get up and go outside just because we're dealing with a crazy situation that most people wouldn't be able to deal with and maybe you don't want to hear, we have to sit right there and we have to listen to it so that we can get whatever the citizen needs. You know, the, the agencies, they need help. If it's, whether it's fire or police or whatever it is, we have to sit there and, and deal with it and listen to it. And I think that that's something that first responders do. Well, I would say for, for sure, sure. That, that dispatchers are are the linchpin. It doesn't matter if it be fire, police, EMS. It does not matter. The dispatchers are the linchpin of what makes everything uh, happen. Without them, none of this would be going on. There'd be no service. No, there wouldn't. We'd be there back wouldn't. in the days of the call boxes and, you know, no radios and uh, banging an ice stick on the concrete to communicate with a guy at a post next to you. And a lot and of people I, would suffer. And that's that's the way things used to be. It's true. I do, you know, remember, I do hear stories from my grandfather and my dad 
you know, when they were rolling around in patrol units and there was nothing, they had to write stuff down on a piece of paper. And even my grandmother was a dispatcher and the way she used to dispatch in the late 60s and 70s um, is eons different than what it used to be, you know, now. And I just feel that we kind of get overlooked a little bit and maybe it's time for change. Maybe it's time to, to look at what we do as a job. And I know earlier you had talked about the PTSD, and I do think that that's a real thing. I do think it's a real thing for dispatchers um, just with calls that we do take or listening to one of our officers or deputies get shot on duty. That's a hard thing to listen to, beating beating yourself up, thinking you could have done something different because we're making split-second decisions as well when we're out there. You know, maybe if we had dispatched another person to this call, they would have gotten started sooner than this person would have been injured right. or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so. I, it's easy to beat ourselves up. Uh, the, the guilt of uh, if I could have, should have, would have, all that. And it's, and it's good to second guess yourself. It's good to critique yourself. What could I have done better? You know, but it's, it's horrible to continue to beat yourself up over, especially when a life is lost, whether it be civilian or one of your, your officers, as you say. Uh, and to clarify your point or to agree with you, I've gotten to the point where we've had several audio uh, of police dispatchers and police that were shot. And I, I find it very, very difficult to listen to it. I, I find it, it, it fires up all of my adrenaline. It's just like being back on the street. I want to go help. I want to get in a radio car and I want to go breakneck speed to get there to help them. And I find myself screaming at the recording. You know, do something, right. do something. I can't imagine what it's be like uh, to be on a dispatcher on the other end of that and, and having to keep your head about yourself. I will tell you kind of a funny story is my husband was shot on duty prior to us knowing each other. And I have listened to his tape before of his shooting. And it is the same thing. Like my adrenaline starts going. I'm thinking, let's do this. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And then I remember, oh wait, okay, we're married. We're fine. We have children. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's true. I mean, you just, it is, it's difficult. It is a hard thing to listen to when you know you can't get there fast enough when you, when you, you want to help someone. It's hard. No. I do have a couple of calls that stick with me, you know? Yeah, well, and, and we're going to get to that because we're getting short on time. But one of the things I want to say, and uh, I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this one, you know, when when you're uh, one of the law enforcement officers and you're responding to these calls, whether it be backing up someone in pursuit, um, backing up someone at a violent call, whatever it might be, we have had many deaths recently. You know, for single vehicle accidents for law enforcement officers, I want to say this right now that I was taught early on by the old timers: slow down. You can't help anyone if you don't get there. And sure. put on your seatbelt, for God's sakes. I, I know how mm -hmm. the seatbelt can get hung up on the, the handgun or the service weapon, if, especially if you're right-handed. Your chances of getting killed in a car accident are much greater than getting killed by a bad guy with a gun. So wear your seatbelt, you know, unbuckle it about a block before you get there, whatever, but slow down. Too many of us are being killed and maimed and, and severely injured for life in these horrible accidents. Yes, I agree. And it's, you got to uh, take care of yourself before you can take care of others. You do. And I'm sure as a dispatcher, you want to tell them that. Oh my gosh, yes. Totally. But, you know, I'm doing air quotes. We're just a dispatcher. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Not really. I mean, we are a dispatcher, but 
Well, and that's something you just hit on, and I hear it all too often, uh, just a dispatcher. And right. one of the things you said is that you are labeled as being clerical workers. Explain right. that more. So with w- within the, um, I'm at a loss for what it's called right now, the job, classi- job classifications or... Uh, Correct. Okay. Through the government. What is that called? I can't think of it. Doesn't matter. On the spot. But anyways, in that, we are considered a clerical clerical position. And last year, we had signatures going across the country uh, trying to get um, dispatchers classified as first responders throughout the United States. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but here in California, dispatchers have to be post-certified, which is the same as police officers and deputy sheriffs. So it's peace officer standardized training. So we're held to a certain standard. We have to have a certain amount of hours completed every year, every two years, to maintain our status as a dispatcher within the state of California. When we're hired, we have to go through a background investigation. We have to go through a psychiatric evaluation. We get polygraph tested. It's the whole gamut. Same thing as a a law enforcement officer. So if we're going through the same things to be hired as a police officer, deputy sheriff, why are we not considered first responders along with them? You've got not everybody vote. in the not everybody in the department has to do that same qualification. Right. So, for example, mm-hmm. clerical workers in the department uh, that are uh, let's just say records administrators, they don't have to be post certified like the dispatchers do. Correct. They don't have to go through you know, the the training period. You have to go through an academy. You have to take your eighty-hour uh, post class to be get your um, basic certification to be a post dispatcher. We we have basic, intermediate, and advanced, just like the deputy sheriffs do or police officers do. They have basic, intermediate, and advanced post certificates, and dispatchers do do as well. Folks, you're listening to Law Enforcement Today's show. Joining us, our special guest, Chelsea Barham, police dispatcher from the great state of California and also founder of Operation Juice Box. Get more details about their organization at operationjuicebox.com. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786. 800-932-1786. 
Do you owe back taxes to the IRS? Newsflash, the president has changed the tax laws. And now, you may be able to pay the IRS less. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, the tax doctor can help you pay the IRS as little as possible allowed by law. There are new tax laws for business owners, the self-employed, even W-2 workers. If you have a back tax problem or a few years of unfilled returns, new help to save you money is now here. Call right now to see how the new tax tax laws can help you. Plus, right now, we'll waive the consultation fee and give you a free tax savings report. Attention business owners, the self-employed, and W-2 workers. Make this free call to the tax doctor now and learn how to take advantage of the new tax laws that may help you pay the IRS less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. Back to our conversation with uh, police dispatcher Chelsea Parham, also founder of Operation Juicebox.com. And we'll go into some more details about Operation Juicebox in just a moment. Uh, give you a little brief overview. Uh, they make it possible for law enforcement officers that are willing to do this and agencies are willing to do it to carry juice boxes in their vehicles and hand them to kids and have conversations. I think it's phenomenal. We'll, we'll talk more about that. I know it's an overly simplified version. Getting back to your conversation about being a dispatcher, I want to tell you this right now. I couldn't do it. I, I think I'm, well, my wife tells me all the time, I'm lousy at multitasking. And the truth is, I can do like two things at once and that's it. And he asked me to do the third thing and I'm yelling at you. You know, uh, so I'd be like yelling at people as a dispatcher. I've been fired within moments. Yeah. It's funny. We get our little radio ear where we can hear multiple conversations happening at the same time. It's definitely something that you get used to after a while. And we're also good at continuing conversations that maybe we left off in, you know, because we had a shooting or something and then. 45 minutes later, we'll get right back in the conversation with whoever we were talking to at the exact same spot we left off at. You know, and that was, that was what happened with us too, because we had uh, the old Motorola radios back when I came on and there's a little hand microphone device that clipped to your lapel uh, and, and you'd be having a conversation with an officer or someone on the street or whatever it was. And when they called your unit number, you pick it up immediately, not right away, but once you had a little bit of time on you, you'd get that right away. And, uh, it was funny how you developed that ear. It is true. It is definitely, you know, people kind of look at me sometimes when I'm looking at them, but I'm answering somebody else on the other side of the room. And this is just a normal everyday conversation. This is a network. People are like, oh, how do you know what they're saying over there? And I said, oh, you know, it's kind of my job to listen to what's happening around me and, what, and knowing what, what I need to do. What Being would you say has been the most difficult experience for you as a dispatcher? What was most difficult for you to handle? Um, you know, I think I, for the most part, have coped really well. There's a call I remember I had one time with a hiker who went out into the forest. Um, a bad storm was coming in. He knew a bad storm was coming in. He called 911 for help. And I knew exactly where he was at. He had a good, had a good hit on his cell phone for latitude-longitude. I mean, it wasn't exact, but it was pretty, pretty close. I asked him to not move, don't use your cell phone, don't, I don't want your battery to die. He was kind of laughing and joking with me and, you know, kind of scolding himself as he was laughing with me. And I said, you know, we will get to you. We were deploying search and rescue teams out to him, 
the storm had already started to come in, and uh, they did not find him until the spring. Ah. The storm had come in very quickly. So I was the last person to talk with him. Um, so I do feel a little bad about that, but really there was nothing I can do. The storm came in so fierce and so fast that um, he was actually, I think it was only about 10 yards from where the search teams deployed, but they couldn't see him because of the snow. So that was very sad. Um, another time, you know, I had a mom call me. I just started my shift seven something in the morning screaming. I mean, just blood curdling scream. And I could not understand her. She was calling from a cell phone that did not have a good location. So I could not get her. I didn't know what was happening. And she just found her son had killed himself during the night. And so that was, that was kind of sad, you know, not kind of, I mean, it was very tragic, but um, that is one, those screams that she was doing. I do definitely remember that for sure. I remember those um, screams as well, and it's indescribable. And uh, again, yeah. I go back to what I said earlier. I'm as guilty as a lot of people. I never really considered what dispatchers went through, and I never really considered what it was like to be on that end of the phone or that end of the radio and to be listening right. and trying to manage this. I, I just it, the thought never entered my mind, and I'm I feel a little embarrassed that it never did. Don't feel embarrassed. You're not the only one. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't understand why. And I'm getting, you know, via our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today, we, we're starting to get a lot of debate with people about dispatchers being first responders or not. And there are, you know, salty law enforcement people that have been on the street for a long time that are like, no, they're not. And then there's other ones who are like, yeah, I'd consider it. But it's it's a highly contested, debated issue. And I think it needs to be put to bed very, very quickly. Simply put, you are first responders. Yeah, we are. I mean, we do hear crazy things. I had a guy call me who had just killed his wife, or I'm sorry, his girlfriend. Um, I mean, had just done it. I was able to talk with him. He told me the entire thing, everything that happened. I spoke with him on the phone until he went outside and surrendered. Um, and he was definitely convicted and put in jail for a long time. And part of that was because of his confession on the phone to me about what he did. I mean, without that and without having a, a good dispatcher who was going to pull all that information out of him, maybe he would have gotten less time. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility. What would be kind your message to America and those who, who think that dispatchers are really not necessary or they are replaceable you know i would just say come and do a sit-along come sit with us for a shift on a friday night on a busy friday or saturday night and listen to what we actually do because i think there's a lot of misconception about who we are what we do why we ask the questions that we ask like we're just wasting people's time no we're asking questions for a reason Mm -hmm. We're asking questions for our officer safety, for surrounding people safety, you know, other civilian safety. Just because you're talking to us on the phone and asking you questions doesn't mean help is not already started and on the way to you. So it makes things go much quicker if you just answer what we need, you know, what we're asking of you, instead of arguing about why you don't need to answer that question yeah, or why gotcha. that's not an important question. We're and not you're, asking and you're it usually for fun. not dealing with people at their best moments it's just like uh, the law enforcement officer street you're dealing with people in their worst possible scenarios and situations 
Before we close things out, I want to get back to Operation Juice Box. What a phenomenal concept. Again, a brief overview of what you do. So we have juice boxes donated to us or funds donated to us. We give juice boxes out to deputies, police officers. They're even in the jails now. I have a, some, a, a program going on in the jails for the kids that come to visit their parents. Um, and we, the deputies just take them out while, while they're on patrol, hand them out to kids that they see in the street as like an icebreaker, chat with the kids over a juice box about what's going on in their life. And the goal is to build positive relationships between law enforcement and our youth, one juice box at a time. Now, primarily doing- you are located in California right now. What about? Correct. Southern California. So I'm mainly in Orange County, Riverside, San Bernardino counties is where we're at right now. And you have other agencies across the United States who have expressed interest in doing this. Where can other Correct. law enforcement agencies, uh, people who want to donate, where can they get more information? So they can jump on our website, uh, operationjuicebox.com, and they can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Operation Juice Box. Find us, message us, say hey. Um, if you want juice boxes, if you're on patrol, you want juice boxes to pass out to the kids in your areas that you're patrolling, let us know and we will get them to you. Uh, we're more than happy. We just want to you know, help these future kids who are going to be possibly police officers or deputies, you know, have a positive image um, and memory with law enforcement. Not all of, you know, people, kids tend to sometimes think that police officers are scary and they're not. No. I have a deputy that was out on patrol, at, you know, doing his thing after he'd finished his calls. He had a little bit of time. So he saw some kids and was going to give them a juice box. And both kids froze and looked at him like a deer in headlights when he was just talking to them. And so he went and talked with the mom and said, hey, this is what we're doing. I'm with Operation Juice Box, and I'm a deputy. Um, And the mom ran inside and tripped trying to get her phone because she wanted to take a picture of this deputy with her children and the juice boxes. She was so excited about that. Phenomenal story. Great, warm reception. I even had a sergeant who, you know, not always the the softest, cuddliest guy. No, no. really no nonsense and he reached out to me for an event that i was going to because i was low on juice boxes uh he actually bought two stores out for me of juice boxes he showed up at this event and helped me pass out over 1400 juice boxes phenomenal and we're gonna have to wrap it up Uh, folks get more details about that how you can get it in your agency how you can donate of course it might be difficult to ship a bunch of boxes across the United States. You can always make donations on their website, which is operationjuicebox.com. Chelsea Parham, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.